0: Welcome to this episode of Exploring Christianity. I'm your host, Daniel Claussen. In this episode, we will look at a book of the Bible at a glance. I explain why it's important for us to consider the overarching story or reason why a book of the Bible is written. So I hope this episode helps you the next time you're studying the Bible to think of what you're studying in light of the immediate context and the larger context. I think a lot of times when we read the Bible, we miss the forest for the trees. Our instinct, at least in our modern time, is to take as much practical application as we possibly can out of a verse to fit our modern time. We aren't really quick to look at the whole story or to consider the reason why an author wrote what he wrote in the first place. Often, our first instinct is to look for what we need to do or we get caught up in a doctrinal phrase or we're only familiar with the with the passage that's on our coffee mug it ends up being the equivalent of removing petals from a flower soon there is no flower and all the petals are wilted or if we want to use a forest example we cut down the forest tree by tree and soon there is no forest and all the trees have died So to our modern eyes, there is actually a hidden beauty in the scriptures, and it's only seen when we take a step back and consider the whole. Now, there is a place and time to expend our resources mining through the Bible verse by verse. But if we do not consider each verse in light of the whole, in light of the reason why an author wrote what he wrote, we can easily mistake field stones for pieces of gold. In this episode... I want to take a tour over the book of Ephesians with you, and I find myself drawn to Ephesians time and time again because of its dynamic approach to the gospel. It's one of my favorite books of the Bible, to be honest. It's clear and succinct, it's rooted in the Old Testament, and it aims straight for the heart in application. And it leaves us with practical lessons for relating to others. I really like how Sinclair Ferguson put it. He said Romans is humanly speaking the most impressive of Paul's letters, but Ephesians is probably the most elegant. In its opening doxology, blessings cascade down upon the reader. In its closing verses, the smell of the battlefield lies heavily in the air, and through the smoke of war we see Christians, fully clad in the armor of spiritual warfare, still standing. From beginning to end, Ephesians sets before us the wonder of God's grace the privilege of belonging to the church, and the pattern of life transformation the gospel produces, quote. So to begin, to understand Ephesians, it's good to start at understanding Ephesus. Ephesus was the capital of the Roman province of Asia, and it was most notable as the home to the temple of the goddess Artemis, or Diana, and this temple was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. The city was described as the nurturer of the goddess. And as the nurture of the goddess, they expected the goddess to make the city most glorious in return. And this is kind of ironic because Paul uses this imagery to describe Christ and his bride, the church. How Christ nourishes and cherishes the church and the church becomes glorious in return. One of my favorite historical connections between an epistle and the book of Acts is Ephesus in Acts chapter 19. Paul is traveling through the country, and he comes to Ephesus, and there he finds Christians in need of teaching. So he teaches them every day for about two years, which is almost the equivalent of a high school education. And many people come to trust Jesus and turn away from idol worship because of this. So many, actually, that the idol-makers feel it in their pockets. So these idol-makers create an uproar, and confuses everyone, and almost starts a riot against the Christians. And we find this story in Acts chapter 19, starting at verse 29. Luke records, So the city was filled with confusion, and they rushed together into the theatre, dragging with them Gaius and Aristarchus, Macedonians who were Paul's companions in travel. But when Paul wished to go in among the crowd, the disciples would not let him. And even some of the Asiarchs, who were friends of his, sent to him, and were urging him not to venture into the theatre. Now some cried out one thing, some another, for the assembly was in confusion, and most of them did not know why they had come to gather. Some of the crowd prompted Alexander, whom the Jews had put forward, and Alexander motioning with his hand, wanted to make a defense to the crowd, but when they recognized that he was a Jew, for about two hours they all cried out with one voice, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! And when the town clerk had quieted the crowd, he said, Men of Ephesus, who is there who does not know that the city of the Ephesians is temple keeper of the great Artemis, and of the sacred stone that fell from the sky? Seeing then that these things cannot be denied, you ought to be quiet and do nothing rash, for you have brought these men here who are neither sacrilegious nor blasphemers of our goddess. If, therefore, Demetrius and the craftsmen with him have a complaint against anyone, the courts are open, and there are proconsuls. Let them bring charges against one another, but if you seek anything further, it shall be settled in the regular assembly." For we really are in danger of being charged with rioting today, since there is no cause that we can give to justify this commotion. And when he had said these things, he dismissed the assembly. You get a feeling that when Paul writes to these Ephesians, he writes to people he knew, people he cared for, people he taught, and people he had close fellowship with for at least two years. In writing to the Ephesians, Paul reminds them of a lot of gospel truth. And the main theme of Ephesians is union with Christ. Union with Christ in our salvation, in our position in Christ, in our walk in Christ, and our battle alongside Christ against the evil one, which is our adversary when we're in Christ. In this theme, the gospel, which we see as union with Christ, is the mystery of the Old Testament revealed in the church. In this theme, we find the summary of the gospel both in doctrine and in action. And in this theme, there is an emphasis on the metaphor of walking. So the way Paul forms this, this letter, is he starts with indicatives, he starts with statements and doctrines of the gospel. And then he moves to imperatives, which are commands for living. In chapter four is the turning point where he turns from indicatives or statements and doctrines of the gospel to imperatives or commands for living. And the book follows this line. Paul begins by tracing salvation to grace as its fountain, and he magnifies the Lord Jesus in salvation. Then he proclaims the freedom Christians have in this new dispensation. Then he turns to unity with others because of our union with Christ and concludes with the sound of the military trumpet, calling its readers to the service of Christ. To break it down into chapters, we start in chapter 1, where Paul encourages believers by taking them to the source of their salvation, which is God's sovereign, eternal, adoptive, and electing mercy. And because of this sublime truth, and our finite and feeble minds, Paul prays, addressing this problem by seeking God to enlighten us in the full knowledge of Christ. Chapter 2, Paul reminds believers... Of their miserable state without Christ, and how great did God's grace and mercy save them. In chapter 3, Paul then establishes his calling to the Gentiles by stressing how they receive every benefit of salvation apart from the law. Paul seeks to unify the Gentile and Jewish believers by stressing union with Christ by faith, not because they're part of the same church community, not because of their background not because of anything outside of union with Christ. Then in chapter 4, the turning point from indicatives to imperatives, Paul turns to the practical outworking of union with Christ, which is walking with Christ. And it's shown in our unity with one another because of our changed nature and character, because of our common faith in Christ. And we have unity in building each other up. Unity in truth is... The theme of chapter 4. In chapter 5, Paul continues to explain what walking with Christ looks like, and he applies it to the church and then to marriage. Chapter 6, Paul continues applying it to families and to work relationships, and then he concludes with the battle cry to encourage the believers to continue on in pushing back the darkness around them. In Ephesians, three major questions are answered First, what is a Christian? And Paul's simple answer is, it's one united to Christ. The second question it answers is, what is the church? Which, simply answered, is a body of believers united to Christ by faith. And lastly, it answers the question, how does the gospel change how we live? The reason I've started with this book, to give an overview of it, is because I want to walk through it verse by verse over the next year or two, however long it takes to complete. So, I cannot wait for what's in store for us as we study this theologically vast and devotionally rich book, verse by verse. Thank you for listening to this episode of Exploring Christianity. For more information, go to exploringchristianity.buzzbrout.com.